Welcome back to Preps Today with John Millay. I'm back from the Masters. John had, uh, you know, around here, we like we like really giving young people and people beginning their career uh, a leg up, you know, a boost, a head start. So it was very kind that John brought in someone who, you know, wants to work in this business. We hope he has a future. He had Dave Lee in to, 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 to sub for me. And I just hope that Dave Lee being exposed to this audience, that gives him a chance to have a career. Yeah, the young upstart is going to do okay, Jim. I think he's he's going to be fine. He he's you know I I go back with Dave a long time and and uh, know him professionally and personally. And boy, is it fun to talk with him. He's got the best stories. And as we said on last week's show, he had told me some of these how he got his start in broadcasting. And you know he's working the the graveyard shift at a potato factory in North Dakota. And here's a guy on the radio named the All American Aardvark. And thinks that might be a cool job. And I said to him, I said, this is a Cone Brothers movie. This is yes. how a Cone Brothers movie would start. 18-year-old kid working in the potato factory, listening to the radio in the car at three in the morning while he's having his dinner, and and, and onward to a, a tremendously successful broadcasting career. So yeah, Dave's the greatest, um, you know, the voice of our state basketball tournaments on on TV, and, and he loves doing that. We love having him there. And and he was he was on the show, Jim, because you were off at the Masters, and that is true. I I've never been to the Masters. You've been there before. Um, I don't know. Most of us will probably never be at the Masters, but what's it like? What's it like when you get to Augusta National? And and you know, from a media standpoint, I would. I mean, you're not inside the ropes there. You wrote about no. that, like a yes. like at most PGA tournaments. But what's just what's that like? It well, it's really the opposite of most major championship golf tournaments, and really just most golf tournaments. Because most golf tournaments, they take over a golf course that is set up to be a normal golf course. They put massive tents everywhere. They put massive luxury boxes everywhere. They put stands everywhere. And they try to make as much money as they can in a short amount of time uh, without infringing too much on the way the golf course actually looks. And it's great. I mean, I've, I've covered tournaments like that you know, all over the country, and that's great too. But this is different. This is a place that is basically built for one week of the year. And now it's a, it's a, it's also a golf club for rich people in Georgia and they enjoy it the rest of the year too. But th- the whole real point of Augusta national and the masters is to have this one week where they show off this beautiful piece of property to the world. And every, it's the opposite of these other golf tournaments. Everything is permanent. Uh, the concession stands are hidden away so they don't get on TV. Everything is green. So, uh, you know, that you never see a piece of white trash blowing across a fairway. First of all, they don't allow trash. Uh, second of all, if it does, if a, if somehow a piece of trash gets away from a patron, uh, you know, not only do they have a, a team of snipers to shoot it down, they also, it's also green. So it doesn't show up on camera. Uh, all the camera stands are painted green and you never, and, and because they do it every year, they have everything down to this refined science. Uh, and, and so a couple, few, few observations I will make that don't show up on TV because obviously if you watch TV, you get a lot of this, right? Uh, number one, way more elevation change than it appears on TV. There are ski slopes, the, the second hole, the 10th hole, the 11th hole, uh, it, you were walking 16th hole, you were walking straight downhill. And obviously there are corresponding holes where you're walking straight uphill. It's one of the reasons Tiger has so much trouble on the weekends there these days because you are, it's, it's a hike. Um, number two, you get to see cool parts of the golf course on TV. It is a massive 
complex. Uh, it is like Disney World. It's huge, and every part of it is beautiful and manicured. Uh, you can be half a mile from the golf course and you're still in the grounds and everything looks just gorgeous. Uh, and the third is, you know, one of the reasons they are able to maintain this is they are sticklers for all kinds of rules. No running, uh, no littering, no yelling. Uh, so it's not like going to the Ryder Cup here in Minnesota where people are getting drunk and screaming. Those people would be escorted off the course at the Masters. They want it to be urbane and 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 they want people to be polite um, and for a media person, as I wrote about the other day, most big sporting events, most big golf tournaments, uh, the any celebrities who are attending, they're in luxury boxes. You don't see them, right? At the Masters, there are no luxury boxes, and there are no press areas on the course. So everybody's out walking around together. You know, you, it's me and Lindsey Vaughn and Alex Rodriguez and then five golf fans from you know, from Columbus, Georgia, all just kind of standing there watching the same stuff. So it is a unique experience. It's great. Yeah. One thing I, I saw a Twitter thread with things that people don't largely know about the masters. One was patrons can bring lawn chairs, but they can't have arms on them, which <laughs> that, uh, that's, I, that's stick. That is stickler stuff. I don't know why that would be, but I guess if you don't have arms on it, it's a smaller lawn chair, but. Oh, yeah, I think they, they're trying to save size. They don't yep. want the lawn chairs to take up too much space. They also don't want people with like, you know, overloading the pockets and having yes. beer cans sitting out. They want everything to look very tidy. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's on my bucket list. I'm not optimistic I'll get down there. But I know people, friends of mine, relatives who've been there, they say there's nothing like it. And, and I'm sure you, you'd agree. It's it's It sounds just like the the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I, I think the coolest thing for a golf fan or a sports fan would be to just get there once, and then when you yeah. watch on TV, you'll have a sense of what it's actually like sure. to be there. Sure. Well, good. Thanks for thanks for giving us that. Uh, yeah. No, that thanks for reflection. You did a great job. I read your stuff down there. It was great. It was a good tournament and some weather issues, but uh, we don't have any weather issues here. No, things are looking good. <laughs> and let me reintroduce the show here where, as we get started with actual prep stuff. This is Prep Today with John Malayer, brought to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to our sponsors, All Energy Solar, Pizza Barn in Princeton, and Propane. This is TalkNorth.com, best way to listen to this show if you like it or any show that you like. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We have all the local Sports teams covered, uh, different shows across the network. We have outdoor content. We have variety content. Dave Lee does his own show on the network. Joe Anderson has started a show on the network. We have Mike Grimm on the Gophers. Again, check it out. And But this time of the year with the Twins playing well, I really highly recommend Roy Smalley, Lavelle, Neil, and myself on the Twins, the Chin Music Show. I think that's one of our better shows. Check that out as well. Uh, of course, John works for MSHSL.org. He writes John's journal there. Brandon Morton is the producer of this show. Now let's get on to weather. Yeah, weather is undefeated. Uh, geography is undefeated, and that takes us into spring high school sports in Minnesota. You know, we're talking here Wednesday afternoon. It's 80-something degrees. It's fabulous out there. It's not that way all over the state. I, I've done some traveling this week already. Basically, you know, the Twin Cities area on south, everybody's outside. But you get up north, and it's 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 trouble. There's still snow. There's still ice. The ground is thawing, but, uh, and I've received some notes I would call frustration on Twitter from, I, I don't know if these are parents or coaches, but you know, they're not able to get outdoors yet. And they're practicing in the gym. That's no good. We get, we understand that frustration, but the weather is the weather. 
Minnesota's geography is what it is. We can't change those facts. But I've just been encouraging people to stay optimistic. At some point, everywhere in Minnesota, everybody will be outside with our spring sports. It's going to be great. And uh, speaking of teams up north, this is kind of a this is kind of a, a, a turn here. But there, there was a really well written story this week in the Bemidji Pioneer by a talented the talented sports editor sports editor there, uh, Jared Rubeda, who's a friend of mine. I've known Jared since he was in high school in Brainerd. And he focused on some frustration at Bemidji High School on the heels of the high school league announced last week class and section assignments for the next two school years. I'll get into more detail on that in a moment. But the feeling in Bemidji is they would like to drop down a class in several sports based on geography. And this is this is something that happens up there. Big, bigger schools up north where there's really a lot of separation. You know, Bemidji, Moorhead, Brainerd. If you're a big school in northern Minnesota, you drive long distances, basically in every sport. Often on school nights, you're not getting home till well after midnight. The kids are in school at 8, 8 a.m. But that's what they have to do to compete with schools their own size. Jared did a really good job of explaining the situation in Bemidji. I've written about the travel challenges uh, faced by those schools up north. And here's, here's a key paragraph from Jared's story. Again, it's from the Bemidji Pioneer, if you want to find it. The MSHSL doesn't require teams to play a set amount of section opponents in the regular season. True. Schools like Bemidji either have to fork up the cost, traveling hundreds of miles to play higher competition. That means schools you know, of a similar size. Or settle for games and events against smaller schools. That is 100% accurate. Just because of geography... If you want to play schools similar to your size, you got to get out on the road. You got to convince them to come to you. The other option is you can play smaller schools that are much closer. That's maybe not going to get your team where you want it to be for the postseason. But and with this uh, competitive section section placement process, schools and teams they can appeal to opt down to a smaller class for several reasons, but. Uh, I'd say it, geography isn't one of those reasons. So again, whether we're talking about weather or geography, there just isn't always fairness in these things. I feel for people in Bemidji. I've been up there. I know I know people and coaches there. I've been to games there. and uh, It's a bummer, but Jared did a good job explaining this. Um, and th- that's going to take me into, I'm going to explain now, Jim. I'm doing all the talking, but I'm going to explain competitive section placement, what that is. So the high school league board of directors met last week. They approved these placements for the next two school years, starting next fall. This process happens every two years, and a pretty small number of teams change classes or sections. It's basically a sport-by-sport thing, you know, and it takes a long time. It's a lot of looking at maps and charts and travel and distance. And but at the board meeting where this group uh, where this was approved, someone from a website called Youth Hockey Hub attended the meeting. It was that I don't know that person. It was his first high school league board meeting, and he was at a report on changes for hockey teams that will change classes or change sections for the next two years. And as it turned out, they weren't released till the following day after the board approved everything. All that information went to the schools, and they basically had a day to look at it before it went public. But the Youth Hockey Hub person tweeted something as he was leaving the meeting that really summed up how the High School League board does its job. I'm going to read that tweet. Quote, leaving board meeting after three hours, 
I learned a few things. Number one, I have a newfound appreciation for the MSHSL and what it does. I've attended one meeting as an observer and my head is swimming. Number two, I'm reminded that hockey is not the only activity that exists in this state. And number three, the number of factors that go into classification is mind-boggling, unquote. And all that's true. I, and I just, I frequently encourage people who, who come to me and they're critical or skeptical of high school league decisions and how these are made. I say, hey, come to a board meeting. You know, these are open meetings. These are public. It can really be eye-opening. People, people can sit on Twitter and throw darts at how dumb the high school league is. But, uh, you know, sometimes, especially if I know them, I'll say, hey, I got a deal for you. Come to a meeting. I'll, you'll, you'll get a seat. You can watch how this happens. So, yeah, that, that's the big news on the high school league front, I think, right now, Jim, the uh, section and class placements. Um, like I said, every two years, quite a process. It starts when the high school league gets enrollment numbers from the Department of Education and then then the wheels turn, but that that's your look. You, you gave us a look inside the Masters. That's my look inside uh, how the high school league works. That's good stuff. And if you tried to go to a board meet or meeting at the Masters, I think uh, you would be disappeared. You could wear you your finest be, green jacket and you would not yes. be successful, right? No, you would never be seen, <laughs> never be seen again. Uh, we'll, we want to get to softball, track. We're going to thank a ref. We're going to uh, talk about John's most valuable teammate. Do want to let you know that solar panels are the only home improvement project that pays for itself. Learn more about going solar this spring at All Energy Solar's free webinar by visiting allenergysolar.com slash webinar. Now, if you go to allenergysolar.com and go allenergysolar.com slash coach, you can find out how you can save money on your solar install. You can find out what incentives you can qualify for. And if you go to allenergysolar.com slash battery, you can find out how solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during all of our storms across the uh, across the calendar here in Minnesota. You can also read uh, the ebook Energy Storage Plus Solar at allenergysolar.com. And again, uh, slash battery slash coach slash webinar. You can find all everything you want to know about solar energy and solar energy installs. Now, I want to hear from John on our longtime sponsor, Jody Stay and Pizza Barn in Princeton. Yeah, you got it, Jim. Uh, one of the great traditions at the Pizza Barn in downtown Princeton is the pizza of the month. We are now in April. It's a, it's a lovely month. I'm looking out the window, and the pizza of the month is a fan favorite. It's the triple pepperoni. I'm a big uh, pepperoni. Uh, my base, basic pizza is sausage and pepperoni, going back to my youth. And uh, this one's a classic pepperoni pizza, but yes, triple the pepperoni. They put two versions of sliced pepperoni under the cheese, then a layer of mozzarella. But before it goes in the oven, they add a third pepperoni. It's called the cup and char pepperoni. Uh, placed on top of the cheese, these are sliced pieces of pepperoni. With the casing left on, it's what's used in New York-style pizza. And when when this thing is baking, the outer edges or the casings of those uh, pepperonis curl up in a crispy charred edge. Gives it a tasty crunch. Uh, it's available during the entire month of April for dine-in, takeout, take-and-baker delivery, the triple pepperoni pizza. And if you're looking for one of those famous Pizza Barn food trucks, head across the border on Saturday to New Richmond, Wisconsin. There will be a Pizza Barn food truck at Lift Bridge Brewery. That will be fun. And as always, our great thanks to our friend Jody Stay and her crew at the Pizza Barn for sponsoring our podcast. 
Yes, thank you, Jody. Have fun at LiftBridge, a great brewery. Uh, I want to let you know that a lot of people agree we need to lower our carbon footprint. They also agree that we need reliable and affordable energy every minute of every day. A diverse energy mix will provide reliability and affordability, which is extremely important during Minnesota's four distinct seasons. Fortunately, a clean energy solution for tomorrow is available today that's ready to work alongside other energy sources. It's propane. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than the equivalent amount of electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Propane is energy stored on-site and independent from vulnerabilities to the utility grid, and propane's benefits don't end there. Major advances are being made today for renewable propane. Renewable propane is compatible with traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. Minnesota needs to use all of our low-carbon alternatives, including propane, to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane, the right energy right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you at propane. Com. All right, let's get on to softball at St. Ben's. Yeah, Jim, uh, Monday here, a couple days ago, I drove up to the College of St. Benedict and St. Joseph for a high school softball game, and I'd never been to the Benny's softball stadium. It's unbelievable. It's all turf, all turf surface, press box, bleachers, giant dugouts. It is first class all the way. But this was a high school game, and these weren't teams that were local. Um, one, one was Browerville Eagle Valley. That's an hour away. The other team was Clinton, Graceville, Beardsley. That's two hours away. So, you know, and there's they got to do that to play right now. Their home fields, like a lot of them up there and farther north, they're unplayable. So this worked out well. The temperature was 59 degrees for the first pitch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and there were giant, giant piles of snow outside the fences. But, but the field was clear. It was a blast. And I'm putting together a John's Journal story about the Browerville softball team that goes way beyond that. If, uh, a week or two ago, the gymnasium roof at Browerville High School collapsed under all the snow and ice on top of it. They don't have their gym. It's gone. And, you know, that's where all these spring sports teams would be practicing. Uh, so it's it's a real wrinkle. And uh, they may they don't have their plans solidified yet you know how long till they can get a new gym they have like a secondary gym that's very small they're taking turns in there with all the teams but uh, I'm going to dive into that in a John's journal story and it's really interesting you know that's what you do I guess if you they even, I don't even know if, if Browerville had practiced softball outside before this first game at St. Ben's but I think that field at St. Ben's is pretty busy I know Browerville has a couple other games scheduled there and Boy, turf, I, I say this often on Twitter, turf changes everything. And, you know, schools that have turf fields in the spring, whether it's your 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 football field for lacrosse or whatever it is, and, you know, baseball, softball fields with turf, it's 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 just amazing what can be done. Yeah, no, it, it's such a great thing for, for all high school sports and activities. Good stuff. Uh, let's get to track in Stewartville. Yeah, so Tuesday, the day after I drove north, I went the other way. I went south of Rochester about 10 miles to Stewartville for a track meet. There's another John's Journal story in the works from that. It was a beautiful day. Uh, sunscreen was, was seen. It was warm and a great day for a track meet. But this story will focus on the girls' 4x200-meter relay team from this is one of these co-op teams, Grand Meadow slash Leroy Ostrander slash Kingsland slash Southland. Gimlocks for short, I think. Um, but the relay four by 200 girls relay teams from that, from that team have won the last four Class A state championships. 
And they probably would have won five if they hadn't missed a year because of COVID. There were no spring sports in 2020. So I talked to the coaches and the kids on the team. Three of the four from last year are back. Uh, that's what you call a dynasty. There's nothing like that in high school track in Minnesota. You know, uh, a four-time defending state champ in a relay, that's pretty amazing. So that's another story that will be coming to John's Journal. Excellent. All right. Let's thank a ref as we always do. Yeah, I don't have specific officials to thank, but this is Spring Officials Appreciation Week. This is a national endeavor by all the high school governing bodies to just take this week, thank all of our officials and judges who help make uh, seasons for our kids the best they can be. So let's all continue to thank a ref, thank the officials. And let's get to our our final uh, segment here. We're going to name John's uh, most valuable teammate once again. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Check out all the sports, outdoor, and variety stuff at talknorth.com. Thanks again to Brandon Morton. Thanks to All Energy Solar, Pizza Barn in Princeton, and Propane. Uh, check Check all that out. Support our sponsors if you want us to continue to build our network. We do appreciate it. And let's get the most valuable teammate. Yeah, this one's pretty cool, Jim. Uh, the most valuable teammate this week is Landon Halverson. He's a senior at Ogilvy High School. He's a four-sport athlete, which is hard to do in Minnesota. There's basically three seasons. He's a football player. He wrestles. And now in the spring here, he's on the baseball and the track teams. Wow. Uh, Landon epitomizes having a positive impact. He's a four-sport team captain, only the second four-sport athlete in Ogilvy history. You know, off the field, he was the big reason why the football, wrestling, and baseball teams have been named all academic. He's been recognized individually as uh, academic all-state. And Landon is is an even better human away from sports. He's part of the spring musical, always willing to help anyone in the community. Congratulations to Landon Halverson of Ogilvy for being a most valuable teammate. Well, good stuff, John. I'm glad that the roads are going to be a little more clear for you here in April. And and as we go forward here, uh, great stuff as always. Thanks again to Brandon. Uh, We'll be back next week for more of John's good stuff.